Welcome to the new TV Gold podcast from Media Week's Andrew Mercado and James Manning, a podcast for people who love great television. Welcome back to TV Gold, Media Week's weekly television podcast. This week on TV Gold, Griselda on Netflix, Feud on Binge or Foxtel, Three Little Birds coming to Britbox, Mr. and Mrs. Smith on Prime, and we'll finish up with Nemesis, a three-parter on the ABC and iView. Andrew Mercado, welcome back. We'll just remind our listeners about our shows of the week last week. We were split, weren't we? I went for what well, I went for expats. That's right. I enjoyed yeah. that. What was your choice? Oh, last week. Don't ask me to remember what I was doing a week ago, James. Now, how many TV shows I've watched since then? Maryland was your choice. Maryland with Saran Jones. And I watched the third and final episode after the podcast. Yeah. And thought it, you know, it, 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 it wrapped it up really, really nicely, I thought. And I'd love to think that there was some more there with those two sisters played by Eve Best and Saran Jones. So, yeah, it held up to the last episode. Yeah, it did. Only three episodes. And, yeah, I, my speculation was a little, a little off beam, but no plot spoilers. We won't go back after that to um, sort of kill your enjoyment when you get to the end of that third episode. But, yeah, it was a great little series and and um, I really enjoyed it. Available okay, to week, watch on right, BritBox too, by the way, if you like yeah. to see on the Maryland BritBox. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where also um, Three Little Birds lives, which we'll get to shortly. Let's start with Griselda on Netflix. I've got to say, th- I came to this after finishing Prosper on SBS On Demand, and, Will, that was pretty violent. Right? Yeah. Lots of people just copped it in that. Very cold-blooded. And gee whiz, I didn't get much of a let up after I started watching Griselda. Well, yeah, when you know it's a Netflix drama about a drug lord, uh, you kind of know what you're in for. But Griselda very cleverly tries to subvert this genre a little bit by making it about Griselda Blanco, who was a Colombian female drug lord, played incredibly by Sofia Vergara from uh, Modern Family, who's quite unrecognisable in this. She might be wearing fake teeth, James, but whatever, it changes her entire facial structure. So you're not thinking about her comedy role in Modern Family. But I must admit, James, I've watched all eight episodes of this. I watched it all weekend. I watched it through to the end. And when it starts, and certainly those first couple of episodes, they're very um, energetic and very lively, but a little bit disingenuous because they're trying to say to you, look, this is a feminist spin on the drug lords, you know, and the story is that, you know, nobody could believe that a woman could be a drug lord like the men. The police don't believe that a woman could be involved. So there's all this rampant sexism that uh, gives her an opening to do whatever she wants. And so you're kind of going, yeah, you go, girl. Yeah, you show those men. And then, of course, by the end of it, she's just as bad as all the men. She's killing members of her own family. She's completely lost the plot. Um, her behaviour is animal animalistic and that's being kind. So what starts off as, you know, you're going to be rooting for her, like by the end of it, oh, you can't, oh, I needed to have a shower afterwards. I felt so dirty by the end of it. <laughs> well, i got to say, I felt pretty dirty after those first two even, you know, it was... Um... It was it was pretty gory. You've got to love the recreation of the period, though, in Miami. Oh yeah, so well done. They just do that so well. Um, 
particularly, I think this is eight, I know this is Netflix, isn't it? That's yeah. the people who did Narcos, though. Um, they've, they've done six it. episodes. Sorry, I might have that wrong. Six episodes. Yeah, it is six, I think. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they just recreate the period so well. The real life Griselda was involved in anywhere between, if you read about it, between the death of between 40 and 200 people. Yeah. And I'm sure they're all covered in this episode. They, <laughs> every one of them you see, I think, copper bullet. It's just incredible. Well, they kind of make out at the beginning that she's going to be a little bit different, that she's not going to, you know, indiscriminately kill people. But, you know, they make a big deal of the first time she orders a hit, you know, and and uh, the guy that's working with her says, you sure you want to do this because there's no going back from this. And, uh, yeah, that's where she goes. Yeah, I guess you give her the benefit of the doubt early on because she's got yeah. three children, right, and she's she's looking after them. Um, she disposes of a husband pretty quickly <laughs> at the well, I think it's a second husband actually at the at the start. Yeah. And, and then they get to witness a lot of what goes on too very early on. Yeah, yeah. So Talking about she, she's bad parenting. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> you know, and I, I can't quite figure out, you know, she's constantly going, you know, I'm a mother, I'm a mother, I'm trying to look after my kids. And all she ever seems to do with these kids is throw all of them into a cheap motel room with her a lot of the time. And it's like, you know, obviously uh, the kids being exposed to that sort of stuff, it all ends very badly for them too by the end of it. Yeah, I, I love the press pack that says Griselda tells the story of a devoted mother. Oh, please. Please. <laughs> This is what I mean. It's just a little bit disingenuous the way that they are doing the setup because when you actually get to the guts of it, and there was a great article in the Sun Herald last week about the real Griselda, and I read it, and, and this miniseries is pretty spot on. You know, I haven't changed anything. Um, yeah, she was just uh, an awful, awful human being. Yeah, she was, was. But it's um, it's a bit of a wild ride, isn't it? But look, I'm... I guess I'll keep going. I'm not sure if I'll watch them all, to be honest. Yeah. Okay, Griselda on Netflix, six episodes. Let's go to something else. And I've got a feeling you might have watched a lot of this too, the second <laughs> yeah. season of Feud on Binge and Foxtel. Yeah, I've pretty much watched it all. I think I've got 10 minutes to go. It's seven episodes. Uh, so Tom Hollander plays author Truman Capote, who wrote a novel in the 50s called In Cold Blood, which was hugely acclaimed. And basically, uh, you know, all of the mega rich high society ladies of New York City all wanted him at their dinner parties because he was this, you know, camp man, highly intelligent, could uh, tell funny stories. He liked to gossip about people. Um, and so he gets welcomed into this world and then he turns on these women and stabs them in the back by writing a, a story about them all, supposedly fictional, but of course they can all recognise themselves in it. Um, but the women are the cast. I mean, where do we start, James? You've got Naomi Watts, Diane Lane, Demi Moore, Callista Flockhart, Chloe Savini, Molly Ringwald's in there too, Russell Tovey's uh, one of uh, Truman's lovers. Uh, once again, this mysterious thing where, you know, these these gay men uh, seem to attract these uh, straight men into their clutches. Sure. Um, 
And Treat Williams is in there too. It's his final ever role. He has sadly died. Treat Williams plays the head of SBS, Bill Paley, and Naomi Watts is his wife, Bay. So that cast, what? It's incredible. Yeah, I think you said SBS. It's CBS, yeah. Oh, sorry, CBS. Yes, sorry. Thanks for correcting me. American CBS. Uh, so it's set in the 60s, early 70s. Period recre- recreation, great. This is from producer Ryan Murphy. We know that uh, when he goes off uh, and does his American horror story and his fantasy history like Hollywood, it all goes a bit haywire. But when he sticks to the facts and tells real-life stories, he is fantastic and he loves an A-list cast and he certainly has assembled a great one for Feud, Capote versus The Swans, which is going to start dropping on Foxtel Binge and I presume they might drop uh, one or two episodes a week. I don't think it's all going to be up there to start with. Yeah, look, I, I think you're right. I think they uh, drop weekly. Uh, yeah, look, I love this. It's um, it's a tough act to follow Philip Seymour Hoffman as uh, Truman Capote in that True. 2014 movie, Capote. I think he won an Oscar for that. Yeah. He was just so good. That's just that's just brilliant. He really was Truman Capote in that. But, gee whiz, Tom Hollander, you, if, you, if you read that he was going to do it, you'd think, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure if he could pull this off, but G does a good job, doesn't he? Yeah, he really does. And you know what's even a tougher act to follow? Uh, Feud Series 2, Bettering Feud Series 1, which is five years old now. But you've got Susan Sarandon playing Bette Davis and Jessica Lane playing Joan Crawford. And, I mean, that is just right up there in my list of the greatest TV series ever made. Interestingly, uh, Jessica Lane is executive producer on this second series. She has a very small role in it, playing the mother of Truman Capote. Look, it's it's seven episodes, James, and I've got to say it's a little bit long. It gets a little bit repetitive towards yeah. the end. It possibly could have been tightened up to six or even five, and it would have been, I think, a bit pacier. Um, but nevertheless, it's uh, it's an amazing reproduction of this period. And these women that I don't know a lot about, I know that Calista Flockhart plays a woman called Lee Radzewill, who was related to Jackie Kennedy Onassis in some way. Uh, um, and but Naomi Watts playing the wife of CBS boss Bill Paley. The only thing I ever knew about Bill Paley and his wife was that in 1967, uh, they had cancelled Gunsmoke, which was their long-running Western, and it was Babe's favourite TV show, and she must have said to him, oh, darling, you've you've got to put it back on. So Paley had to go into the CBS schedule and cancel something to make room for Gunsmoke to be reinstated, and so he cancelled Gilligan's Island, and they told all the cast they were going to get a fourth season, and then they had the rug pulled out from them, and as a a kid who loved Gilligan's Island, I've always gone, who the hell did Babe Paley think she was to have cancelled my favourite kids' TV show. Yes, yeah, so she's responsible for the uh, early demise of Gilligan's Island, but that doesn't feature in feud here. It's more about her, you know, going to the fancy restaurant. She's kind of the head of all of these group of uh, women, and, and Naomi Watts does a great job in the role. 
Yeah, good. Naomi Watts is the first one you come across really when it starts, and you're yeah. watching it for a minute, and then at 12, then, oh, wow, this is Naomi Watts. Yeah. She really gets into the role. She's great. I always love Chloe Savigny. Savigny, so, oh, so great. I love her. She's just wonderful. She's yeah. such an ex- excellent actress. Yeah, she really is. And you mentioned Treat Williams. He didn't look well in that, I didn't think, did he? Mm, you know, he interesting, he, yeah. What he does in that first episode, he, he quite exerts himself. So, you know. It's, um, and, you know, Callista Flockhart is really good in this too because there's several scenes in this where all of these women are quite hideous to someone that doesn't come up to their social standing. And uh, Demi Moore is on the outer and she's desperately trying to get back into this group and nobody is colder or nastier to her than the Callista Flockhart character. And it was great to see Callista Flockhart at the Emmys, reuniting with her Ally McBeal co-stars. She has said since she'd be up for a reboot of Ally McBeal, so never say never, James. You don't, you never know. Okay, okay. And I'm just noticing here, apparently Warren Beatty's daughter, Ella, is in the cast. Oh. I'm not sure. Who she plays. Yeah, she Ella, Ella Beatty, you're right. She plays a character called Kerry O'Shea. Right. Um, gee, I wonder who she is. Now you're going to have to make me go back through the whole thing. Oh, I know who she is. <laughs> she plays the daughter of the Russell Tovey character. I just mentioned him before, Truman. Yeah picks up this handsome straight man who leaves his wife and kids and then after he gets kicked out because he's a horrible drunk, anger issues, all of that, the daughter uh, contacts Truman Capote and by this stage Truman Capote's on the outer so he tries to make her his new swan to take her into high society and there's this hilarious scene where he dresses up Ella Beatty and you know, the look of all of uh, his high society ladies and takes her to a photo shoot and the guy says Mate, do you know what year it is? You know, she looks like an old woman. Get her into their hairdressing and give her a cool look. So, yeah, that's uh, who Ella Beatty plays in this, and it's quite a substantial role. Demi Moore doesn't have a lot to do in the first come. Does she continue on in it or...? She, she doesn't have a lot to do, but her character is kind of recurring. You keep seeing these moments with her. She's basically there to represent what this group will do to you when you're on the outer. And she okay. tries, Demi just keeps trying again and again to get back in with this group, and they're just not interested. And, of course, Truman Capote basically, you know, calls her a murderer to her face in front of an entire restaurant and causes a huge scene. Um, yeah, but, yeah, a, a nice role for Demi, but you're right, not terribly meaty, but the moments she does have, yeah, she's quite hysterical. And Molly Ringwald's Joanne Carson, the wife of Johnny Carson. Yeah, wow. I don't hey. think she's in that first episode or two. No, but she's there in the last episode. I was just watching it this afternoon trying to knock it off before I came on the podcast, and she, she definitely returned. She lives out in California. It's where Truman Capote goes to dry out because he's a terrible alcoholic, you right. know, and, uh, you know, but part of the problems. He, like, he's an awful human being, James. He's, yeah. he's so horrible to the people around him that love him but you know of course he wants their help when everything turns to shit which it does because he's a he's a drunk yeah yeah okay feud um you said seven i think it's eight but it's either seven or eight episodes on um binge and foxtel they're going to drop weekly great let's go to three little birds it's um six episodes i think they're all available from february one um 
went out in the UK last year on ITV and ITVX, um, written and produced by Lenny Henry. Yes. Based, I guess, about his his mother's experience, I think, in leaving Jamaica, um, migrating to England. Look, I used to hear a lot about things. They call it the Windrush generation, and I never knew what it was, but I've worked it out. Now, that's actually the name of the boat that oh. I think where a lot of these people travelled from the West Indies to England. And so this tells their story, and it's a pretty impressive piece of work. Yeah, it really is. Uh, and I was uh, the first episode was was so lively and colourful, and introducing you to these three women um, going on the boat from Jamaica to the UK, and I was really into it. But I watched the first two episodes, James, and wow, the racism that oh. these Jamaican women. Uh, have to put up with it's off the chart. You know the the English are uh, are just so horrific to them, and I almost it was almost starting to put me off, James. By the end of the second episode, like there's not one of them that encounter any kindness from a white person at all until the very end of the second episode, when this woman says to one of them, "Look." We don't all think that way. Yeah. We're glad you're here. We need you to come here and help us rebuild after World War II. I want you to know that not everyone in England is a racist and you are very welcome. And it it, made, it just made me go, oh, phew, I think I could actually watch all of this because I was kind of getting to the point where it's like, I, I just don't think I can watch six hours of these people being racially abused like this. But clearly there is hope at the end of the tunnel here. Yeah, it's just heartbreaking, isn't it? What oh. they, um, the the intolerance from the people in England that yeah. many of them, I don't know, if maybe it was most, displayed to these sort of immigrants yeah. um, when they arrived in, and I think this is set in a place called Dudley, which is actually just outside of Birmingham. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it's just incredible. You know, they, there was uh, three girls come across, young women, uh, one of them's a mother that um, leaves her family because she's, you know, suffering uh, domestic violence and she's just got to get away from her husband and she wants a bit of a new start and then bring her kids over. She leaves the kids with her mother. Yeah. Uh, and there's a, and then I think one of her sisters or the other two, the sisters, but anyway, there's. It's, it's her sister becomes the nanny to That's the right. family to look after the kids. Yeah. Uh, and then their cousin, Hosanna, who's the very religious one, the, the daughter of a preacher, she's yeah. there to maybe marry the other girl's brother. And the preacher is actually played by Sir Lenny Henry yeah. uh, in this. And, of course, I spent the whole first hours going, well, wh which one is Lenny's mother? He, he, which of these three women will turn out to be the mother? But then I read about what he said, and he, I don't know whether he's doing a direct representation of his parents' lives. He's taking all the stories he heard from all those families when he was a kid and, and putting it into uh, this mix of three little birds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it was really good. Again, they've uh, recreated the period very well. They're sort yeah. of, you know, the motor vehicles, they're driving around. They make the trip, I think, from London up to where they live up near Birmingham, and that's all really well done. And, and we mentioned the racism, but sort of the sexism and the um, that that the nanny suffers from oh. her em 
employers. I mean, that's just as heartbreaking, isn't it? They, you know, she goes up for the job at the house and she goes to walk inside and the mother says, no, no, your entrance is around the side of the house. They won't even let her walk through the front door. Yeah. Um, and then the, the how the, 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 um, the husband tries to sort of latch onto her sexually, you know, and it's. Yeah, that filthy husband, he says, show me your passport so I can check your ID. And then you see him slide it into his coat pocket. And that's a sinister move there. He's clearly going to uh, hold on to this woman's passport and do God knows what to her. It's just awful. But look, could I just give a little shout out to Lenny Henry, also being seen this week in an audience with Kylie, which screened on Channel 7, and you can watch back on 7 Plus, recorded at the Royal Albert Hall, Kylie Minogue, just in front of all of her peers. It's the second time she's done an audience with type show. She talked about doing it in 2001. Here she is doing it again. Um, So many incredible people in the audience. And Lenny Hanny stands up and says, this is my first time at a Kylie concert and I'm loving it. So yeah, uh, Lenny and Kylie both are riding riding a wave at the moment. Yeah. Okay. So that's... um Three Little Birds, eight, no, six episodes, and it's on BritBox, and it's available, I think, um, as soon as this podcast um, is live and we publish it, they'll be up on that platform. Let's go to Mr. and Mrs. Smith, um, eight episodes prime. Unlike a lot of prime stuff drops weekly, I'm pretty sure they're putting these all up at once. Yeah. Got to ask for a bit of help from you with this one. I wasn't sure where it was going that first episode. There's a there's a pre-credit sequence, which I just didn't understand. It didn't reference it again. And I'm just wondering, did I really miss something obvious? Yeah, no, I I, I, I don't know. You're talking about the pre-credits uh, sequence with Alexander Skarsgård? Correct. And there's a bit of a shootout. Yeah. Um, and, and then it goes... I, it was like a flashback sequence or something, and then it jumps forward. Yeah. They're clearly not the same characters. No. Um, and I, I just don't know if this will be referenced again later in the series, but I, I was left puzzling. And I, then I went on to the second episode, and it still didn't become any clearer. Well, I don't know whether you noticed at the end of the first episode, if you kept it running long enough, but they actually had a kind of a trailer for the season and said this season on Mr. and Mrs. Smith on what was going to happen next. And what you do, you see in that trailer is that this is a very star studded show. You see Sarah Paulson in there, John Torturo, um, Ron Perlman's in it, Sharon Horgan, our favourite, you know, Irish writer, actress, she's in there. Um, But like, I don't know, James, I'm kind of getting the feeling that the star-studdedness of this all is these people are almost doing cameos like Alexander Skarsgård. They might be in it for almost 30 seconds and then they're not. And I found that first episode really, really dull. It's setting up this kind of relationship between the Mr. and Mrs. Smith and they seem to have changed the concept of the Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie movie, which they were a married couple who were both secret agents and the other one didn't know. Uh, I thought that movie was a bit of a yawn, to tell you the truth. And now we've got the TV series where they're putting the secret agents together to pretend to be a married couple to go off and 
do all of these missions that they're going to do. And yeah, it was very talky that first episode and the uncomfortableness between them as the Donald Glover character is trying to get together with uh, Maya Erskine and, and figure out, you know, we have to play a married couple and all that. I just found it really boring. Um, and I'm sure that there'll be an audience for this because it's a secret agent show, which like yawned to me. But Donald Glover, he has this huge, huge fan base because of Community and his series Atlanta. And people are saying to me, oh, I can't wait to see it because Donald Glover's in it. So I hope they're not disappointed um, because, yeah, it, it doesn't seem to be firing on all cylinders to me. Yeah, I've got to say, you, know, you mentioned the movie 2005. I think they were assassins actually hired to kill each other but they didn't know right i think that was the premise in this one um donald glover and mayor erskine are hired as to be spies or agents but you look at them and go well, as if right they, <laughs> they don't look like they've ever had any history of this sort of espionage work before no and they're just thrown into this i i I started to get a bit more interested in the second episode when, um, was it um, Paul Dano turned up, right, as a nosy neighbour. Yeah, I thought oh, this is this could get really interesting. So I love his work. I think he played Brian Wilson in that movie about the the Beach Boys, um, probably nearly a decade ago now. Yeah, yeah, he was excellent in that. So I like his work, and I'd love to think Alexander Skarsgård will come back into it somehow. Um, so there, there's that interests me, but otherwise I'm sort of going, eh, you know, that um, that whole plot, um, the sort of the task they had set in episode two, it was, oh, yeah, didn't really care about. I didn't quite understand what the hell they were doing. It seemed all very, you know, unlikely. But, you know, the guest stars could keep me engaged a little bit more. It did. It felt very I, – I, I don't quite understand what, what's the – it's another secret agent show yeah. and it feels like the only new thing they're bringing to the table is that this is a couple pretending to be a married couple, which I'm sure we've seen in a 100 secret agent shows before this. Get smart, for starters. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I just don't – I just uh, – it just hasn't grabbed me at all. Yeah. And I guess there is the interest about will there really be a connection between the two? They're pretending to be married. Will there be a romance romance between them, you know, um, as well as having to fake it? I guess yeah. that's – but then again, that's not a big draw, is it? That's not enough of a carrot, I think, to sort of keep the audience watching. Um, again, the production values are really good. Um, the stars are great. Donald Glover is obviously very talented. I've never watched either of his other shows that you mentioned. So I'm, you know, I'm not so sure, but I'm unlikely, I think, to get to the end of this one. Yeah, yeah, I would say I, I, I'm out right from the start here. And, and I'm not quite sure what was that show? I'm trying to remember the name of it. We've watched another secret agent show on Amazon oh, yeah. Prime that was multi-million show in that first episode on a train. And wow, it was, for the life of me, I can't remember the name of it, but it's like, Jesus, Amazon Prime, how many secret agent shows are you going to make here? Yeah, 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 no, let's look, it's escaped me for the moment too. Ah. Um, okay, look, let's go on to something we don't often get away from drama. We'll go into a documentary series, if you like. This is Nemesis, 
three episodes on ABC and iView. Um, there was no previews, I think partly because they might have been working on it right until shortly before transmission. Do you think so? No, no, no. I think it's very deliberate that to not put out the episodes because they don't want people in the media revealing the juicy uh, revelations that are being made in the show. I mean, after the first episode, you know, there was a couple of articles, you know, if you wanted to repeat it. So, yeah, I just think the ABC, it's because this is kind of in the four corners slot, James. It's 8 p.m. on Monday night and each episode is 90 minutes. Episode one, following the prime ministership of Tony Abbott. Episode two will be uh, Malcolm Turnbull. Episode three will be Scott Morrison. So I think like an episode of four corners, they just keep it under wraps and just play it and then and then let the media fight for the crumbs after that. Yeah, yeah. So Tony Abbott was the subject of that first episode. Um, interestingly, he didn't appear, yeah. um, didn't show up. First time I think this series has encountered a prime minister who wasn't prepared to sit down to do a special interview, but it doesn't really seem to have impacted the the sort of story at all. There's plenty of content everybody else talks about. Everybody else seems to have been willing. Anybody else who was in the government at that time seems yeah. to have been very ready, willing, and able to sort of give their opinion and their their you know uh, insights into what happened uh, pre his uh, rise to the to the prime ministership. And and we'll find out, I guess, in second episode, you know, what happened on the way out. So you're right. Tony Abbott is the first prime minister in 30 years not to do this show. The ABC makes this kind of long form documentary whenever there's a change of government. They wait a little bit of a, a time and then they go in and try to, you know, do this kind of let's do a like a postmortem, I guess. And yeah, I, I kind of think a bit cowardly of Abbott not to turn up when everybody else does it. Um, but yeah, clearly as, as someone's said on the radio the other day, uh, you know, he's he's clearly wounded um, and, and doesn't like that he was, uh, you know, knifed by his own party and, and clearly isn't over it. Apparently he was ho uh, hosting drinks on Monday night at his office, uh, but I noted that when they wrote about in the Sydney Morning Herald, uh, they said that most people had left the drinks because uh, clearly they were rushing home to watch it. Uh, but, yeah, look, I thought Nemesis was, uh, I thought it was great uh, TV and, you know, you stick with it, although there's, you know, depending on your political viewpoint, you'll either be screaming at the TV, uh, at the people because you don't like them or you do like them, uh, and then at some point you're going to start cringing because they do actually – it's, it, this is actually good for them to actually talk about what went wrong. If you're going to move forward and you want to form another government again, and good luck with that, um, they've got to look at what went wrong. And, you know, it was a pretty tumultuous uh, government over the last time, uh, nine years. And so the Malcolm Turnbull episode will be next. But I think the real juicy stuff is going to come out in that third episode about Scott Morrison. And I don't think it's a surprise that by the time that goes to where he will have officially resigned from Parliament. I actually think he's getting out to avoid the fallout from episode three of Nemesis. So, yeah, it'll be very interesting to see what his comrades say about him on camera. Scott Morrison's certainly been hammered a lot um, 
before he left office and certainly since. But, I mean, I've got to say this about him. At least he turned up for this, you know. Right. I mean, give him some credits for that, you know, and he's he answers the questions and I, you know. Yeah, but does he answer the questions truthfully? I mean, he, he uses the old, oh, I don't recall, I don't recall, and yet he can seemingly remember the details about a curry he ate on a particular night. And you're like, seriously, you don't recall a, a major conversation you had with one of your politicians about, you know, a leadership spill, but you can remember the, that you ate a curry on a certain night. Yeah, I find him a little bit, a little bit choosy, but you're right, James, he did turn up. Yeah, and that's half the thing, right? If you if you just don't turn up, well, you know, it's not great. But at least he was there. He faced the music. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure about the the quality of his answers, but some of the clips shown of him, he does look a bit sort of, oh yeah, I can't remember that in the clips back from, you know, when back in uh when Abbott was running. Um, some of his answers there make you think, well, no, oh, come on, you should yeah, exactly. But I'm not sure about how how he'll come across but we'll find that over the next two episodes i guess we should give some credit to the the creatives on this um the reporter and interviewer mark willisey yeah uh, does a great job for, for quite a while i thought he was connected to the willisey family as in mike you know no, i think it's a different spelling it is W-I-L-L-A-C-Y, so nothing yeah. to do with that uh, storied family, if you like, of news and current affairs ah. reporters and hosts. He does a great job. He's been with the ABC for a long time. Caitlin Shea, uh, series producer and worked on the script. I think she's been an EP at Australian Story um, for the last six years. So this has continued good work for her. And uh, Morag Ramsey, of course, long-time uh, Four Corners um uh, producer and done some great work there. So she's continued um, on this. Yeah, yeah. Look, I'm absolutely there every Monday night. In fact, I was so into it, I actually forgot that an audience with Kylie was on Channel 7. <laughs> and, you know, um, that you know, I get into bed and I start getting texts from friends of mine going, I just wanted to say how much I loved that Kylie show and you must have loved it. And I was like, oh, my God, I forgot to watch it. So, yeah, I, that I, I had my audience with Kylie last night and my friends were right. It was a great show. Okay, okay. Well, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. Oh, by the way, James, the, the other thing for you as a, as a music person, we talked a lot about that Stock Aitken Waterman, uh, special that you could still watch on SBS on demand. The most incredible moment between Kylie as she's singing, I should be so lucky. And then kind of turning to Pete Waterman in the audience who looks genuinely moved that the attention's on him. And then she says to him, come up here and give me a hug. And she's lying on the piano and poor old Pete's got to go over and he's got to climb up onto this stage and sort of reach up and hug her. And he, he sort of looks like he's struggling a bit to do it, but they share this really beautiful, genuine reunion moment together. And then as he gets down off the stage, he jumps and she goes, whoa, watch out. Oh, you've still got it, Pete. It's just a great moment between them. It's such a great show. You've got to watch it. Okay. Okay. Yeah, no, I will. Definitely. Definitely on the, the boards. Uh, I noticed Pete Waterman was in some of the British newspapers last weekend. Remember I told that story about his passion for model trains? Yeah. And um, he's the, actually, he was the president, he's the current president of the big model train association or whatever in the UK. And they just had to cancel their annual 
get together. They take over, I think, the NEC in Birmingham, which is a massive, um, what do you call it? A massive trade, a series of exhibition halls, right? And where they had a lot of the Commonwealth Games a couple of years ago. Right. And they take that over, you get a lot of people in, but they apparently they couldn't make the finances worth. So he was lamenting the fact that that won't be on this year and saying, oh, look, it's terrible. You know, we'll have to get our act together. And so, you know, it was getting a bit more uh, mileage out of his passion for model trains. Look, um, what's your show of the week, do you think, this week? It's going to be Feud, Capote versus the Swans that you can watch on Foxtel Binge. Yeah, look, I'm going to have to go for that too, I think. It's um, it's so well done that those guest stars are are brilliant. Yeah. Um, Tom Hollander is fantastic in the lead role and it's just, yeah, just a wonderful and it's a great reason to make sure you um, have a subscription to Binge if you can't afford the full Foxtel. They, um, they get some really good content. Um, so I'll just remind you of those shows again. Griselda on Netflix, Feud on Binge and Foxtel, Three Little Birds on Britbox, Mr. and Mrs. Smith on Prime, and Nemesis, which was, you know, very close second, I think, in show of the week for me. I think you too, probably. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Uh, and in terms of uh, what's coming up, uh, big uh, news for fans of Curb Your Enthusiasm. It's the final season from Larry David. It'll start on Foxtel Binge on Monday, February the 5th. We never really seem to get previews for Curb Your Enthusiasm. You just kind of watch this HBO series as it airs. But if you're if you're a fan of Curb, and I am, uh, it's, it's going to be uh, quite the right to see how Larry David exits stage left. Yeah, gee whiz, it's hard to imagine he could go out there a little bit further than he has been yeah. in the past. But it's always fun, that's for sure. Always. All right, Andrew, thank you so much for that. We'll um, speak to you again next week on TV Gold. Thank you, James. Have a good week. <laughs>